Welcome back, Crimeaholics. It's your host, Holly. Life has been absolutely crazy for both Kenzie and I as we both prepare for big moves to new states. So it's been a couple weeks since we've been able to put out a new Missing Monday, but we've got one today. Missing Mondays is a segment that was created by Kenzie and I to help keep missing persons' name and information in the media the best we can and to help aid in their return home. 90,000 people are missing in the U.S. at any given time, and while some are found alive or deceased, the majority are still missing today. On this segment of Missing Mondays, I will be sharing the information about Samantha Sayers. Missing persons cases always bother me so much, and if you've been following us for a while, you'll know that it's these cases that keep me up at night. But when the missing person vanishes amongst the vast wilderness while out hiking, those ones bother me even more. There's a lot of potential for things to go wrong while out hiking alone. A fall off a cliff edge, breaking a leg and unable to get out, taking a wrong turn and getting lost, a wildlife encounter gone deadly. And I also can't help but think of the possibility of a crime of opportunity striking and nobody close enough to hear or see. But I always wonder about those experienced hikers who have their nice hiking boots and their walking sticks and their expensive backpacks plumb full of hiking gear. If they were to get hurt, wouldn't their gear be found eventually? Samantha Sayers was exactly that. She was an experienced hiker who frequently went out with her boyfriend and alone. It wasn't unusual for her to pack her backpack full of sandwiches and tons of snacks, and this is exactly what she did on August 1st, 2018. Samantha, who went by Sam, grew up in Pennsylvania and graduated high school in 2018. After high school, she went to the State University of New York at Fredonia. There, she studied technical theater and theater and design and technology. In 2013, she graduated from there with her bachelor's degree. From everything I could find on Sam, everyone always had great things to say about her. She was an independent woman and a strong woman. She always spoke her mind and wasn't afraid to stand up for what she believed in. According to a beautiful write-up about Sam written by Allison Williams for the Seattle Met, Sam was a proud LGBTQ ally, thriving on activism. Sam had suffered from an autoimmune disease called alopecia. According to WebMD, alopecia causes your hair to come out, often in clumps the size and shape of a quarter. The amount of hair loss is different for everyone, and some lose a lot of hair and others just small patches. For Sam, it seemed like she had struggled with a lot of hair loss, so she shaved her head completely. One thing that Sam wasn't a fan of, though, was the looks of pity she would get from strangers who had assumed that her lack of hair was due to her having cancer. She decided to get tattoos on her head to give off the impression that she was more of a punk girl than someone who suffered from cancer. At some point, she leaves the East Coast and heads to the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and she begins living in the Seattle area. She gets a job at the Seattle Repertory Theater. 
In February 2016, she runs into Kevin Dares at a Mardi Gras party. Ironically, her and Kevin had been chatting on the Tinder app for quite a while, and he just so happened to be at the same party. Their chemistry from talking online was just as intense in person, and the two really hit it off. Kevin says in the Seattle Met article, quote, she was super smart, cool, funny, and super driven. All the things you want in a partner. Not long after her relationship began with Kevin, she leaves her job at the theater and begins pursuing different things. The pair decided to move in together, and both having flexible schedules in their work life, they found themselves out hiking whenever they had downtime in their weeks. August 1st, 2018 was a beautiful day in Washington. The perfect day for a hike, Sam thought, as she hit the road towards a location she had hiked many times in the past. She signed her name in the log for Sunrise Mine Trail number 707 that was located off the Mountain Loop Highway. This trail would lead Sam to the top of Vesper Peak. And though the day was warm and in the 70s, the top of Vesper Peak still had some snow on it. That morning before she lost cell service, Kevin texted her to be safe and to let him know if she needed anything if anything goes wrong. She replied back, quote, thanks baby, I love you. Come 6 p.m., Kevin was expecting a call from Sam to let him know she was on her way back to Belltown where they lived. Which 6 p.m. came and went, and the early evening faded into night, and Kevin began to panic. Sam was never out this late hiking. She had a routine of being back before the sunset. So Kevin just knew in his gut something had happened to Sam. He immediately made the drive to the trailhead, which was an hour and a half away from where he and Sam lived. He stopped before getting to the trailhead at a gas station and bought himself a flashlight before heading the final distance to the lot where Sam always parked. When he pulled in, the whole parking lot was dark and nearly empty. Sam's blue Ford Fusion sat lonely in the gravel lot. It was just around 10 p.m. when Kevin began his own ascend up the Sunrise Mine Trail that leads to Vesper Peak. Now let me take a second and tell you about this terrain on the trail. This hike was not for the inexperienced hiker. There was a lot of tricky areas where you're passing through thick brush and at one point hikers have to navigate on boulders that leads them through an area of the Stillaguamish River. Which then after you cross the river, the hike then begins to gain elevation where you're trudging through thick brush-filled switchbacks. Then you get to an area that is called Whitson Basin, which is a canyon that is filled with trees and it seems as if you've reached a dead end. This area is where you'll see rock climbers using ropes and harnesses to climb out of the canyon. But there's one trail that will lead you to the top. However, this is filled with huge boulders and super rocky terrain that often get people stranded because they hurt themselves. If you make it through this rough terrain, you are able to make it to the final area of the hike that takes you past a small lake and then you reach the top of the peak. Kevin actually made it through all of this terrain in the dark with just the light of the gas station flashlight. But he ends up tripping and the cheap flashlight breaks and unfortunately he is forced to turn around and walk back down the trail with nothing but his phone to light the way. All of this time, though, he's yelling for Sam, frantically shining the light the best he can in areas where she may have fallen. But all of his calls go unanswered. Once back down at his car, he has to drive 20 miles back down to the Mountain Trail Loop Highway to the Public Service Center, which, of course, it's closed because it's nearly 1 a.m. by this point. 
The public service center, however, has a payphone, which is the only way to make a call out because this area has zero cell service. Kevin calls 911. In the Seattle Met article, Allison provides a written snippet of Kevin's 911 call, and it goes as follows. The operator asked him what Sam had with her when she left for her hike. Kevin replies that she had little cold weather gear, no headlamp, three or four sandwiches, plus snacks. She never skimped on snacks. Kevin continues to tell her that he had his flashlight going, banging and screaming, and no word. He says he thinks that she is hurt. Around 1.30 a.m., Sergeant John Adams arrived at the service center where Kevin was still waiting. He advised Kevin that he should wait to go back out until dawn, but he wouldn't stop him if he insisted on going out. Kevin, of course, wasn't going to wait around for sunlight to find the love of his life who could potentially be hurt. So Sergeant Adams equipped Kevin with necessary essentials such as a helmet, headlamp, some food, and Kevin quickly went back on the trail searching for Sam. Meanwhile, Sergeant Adams was working on getting the call out to the Snohomish County Volunteer Search and Rescue Team. Volunteers arrived around 6 a.m. that Thursday morning, August 2nd, eager to begin their search. They went out in teams and began their search amongst the rugged terrain. Sergeant Adam also called in helicopters to use their infrared cameras to aid in the search, but no sign of Sam. By the weekend, they had tons of search and rescue groups out there searching, including Everett Mountain Rescue, volunteer teams from King, Skagit, Kitsap, Kittitas, and Pierce Counties. They also had four other mountain rescue squads. Dogs were brought in to search for her scent, and they even had Air Force pararescue personnel that came up from Oregon to help aid in the search, and the U.S. Navy flew a mission. Now, I have to say I am impressed with how many hands on deck they had for this search and the searches that went on after. They were not messing around, and I wish I saw that much urgency on all missing persons cases. Days began ticking by at a rapid pace, but the world was standing still for those who loved Sam. It was complete and utter chaos, and the feeling of panic was really beginning to take its toll. On August 4th, day three of the search, Kevin and search teams get a small shred of hope. On August 4th, day three of the search, Kevin and search teams get a small shred of hope. The Air Force Rescue Coordination Center had been monitoring Sam's phone for any cell phone tower pings. Up until this point, the last time that her phone had pinged anywhere was on August 1st, where it pinged near the summit. Then on August 4th, they got a ping. Sam's phone had pinged in Belltown, the neighborhood in which they lived in Seattle. And for a split second, there was relief. It had seemed that Sam may have wandered out on her own and was able to get back home to their shared home in Belltown. When Seattle PD responded to the coordinates, it led them directly to their home. And when they knocked on the door and Kevin's mother answered, it was clear that Sam wasn't inside. Now, this is something I had never heard of before, and I'm going to explain it in the way that Allison Williams did in her article. Apparently, Kevin's mom, Dawn, flew in to help be there for Kevin during this time. While he was out at the search and rescue site, she was in charge of working with the phone carrier to obtain information from Sam's phone. 
According to the carrier, the best way to do this was to load the SIM signature to Dawn's phone, which this effectively cloned Sam's iPhone, which ultimately created that phone ping that seemingly came from Sam's phone, but truly did not. And I cannot imagine the heartbreak and anguish this put on Kevin. For a split second, he could breathe. He could think of more positive things, only for that hope to be snubbed back out. My heart truly goes out to him. But Kevin was relentless and refused to give up on finding Sam. He created a Facebook group called Find Sam Sayers that had over 30,000 people in it, all rallying to find Sam. A GoFundMe was made and raised $60,000 to help with the search. Family members even went as far as creating supply bags filled with snacks and instructions for Sam if they were to be found by her. They were then placed around the mountain as they hoped she was out there somewhere trying to navigate her way back out. 22 days is how long the official search for Sam lasted. Flyers were passed out on the mountain and hung on trees. Her face was splashed across the news. Her mom sharing on Facebook that billboards with Sam's picture in several different states were put up. Drones were flown all over and the footage uploaded for anyone to view and point out anything they may have spotted. And absolutely nothing. A $20,000 reward was posted which brought more people out to the mountain trying to find Sam. Witnesses spoke about seeing Sam that day. One described her shirtless with just her sports bra on at the top of the peak sitting on a rock eating a sandwich. Others described seeing her with hiking poles making her way up the mountain. But one person described Sam coming back down the mountain. He said it was around 3 p.m. when he saw Sam veer down the wrong side of the mountain, which is surprising because Sam had done this hike before. Not a single sign of Sam ever came about. On August 23rd, the county officially suspended the search. Weeks later, Kevin is still out there doing searches. He was able to hire a dog handler from South Carolina with money raised from the GoFundMe. He had his own base camp set up near the lake where people would gather to help search or to bring Kevin and searchers snacks and supplies to keep them going. In mid-October, after a hundred days on the mountain, Kevin decides to pack up camp and end the searches. Kevin did, however, continue to go up into November for some searches alone. He was worn down, tired, and utterly heartbroken at the loss of Sam, and even more so frustrated at being unable to bring her home despite the hours of searching. He ended up shutting down the Find Sam Sayers Facebook group after many people were posting some nasty rumors and conflicting stories, some of which accused him and other men who came out to help search for Sam using the money for drugs. Kinsey and I say this all the time, that those groups for missing or unsolved murdered individuals can be the most brutal pages to be on. They are like a witch hunt after anyone's head, and it could be truly damaging the accusations they throw around. So while he's dealing with the loss of his soulmate, he's dealing with these nasty people saying nasty things, so I don't blame him one bit for closing it down. Her mom, however, has a group of her own that was created called Love, Light, and a Miracle, where they continue their hope that Sam will be found. Investigators follow up on any and all leads they receive. So many resources went into finding Sam, and it is honestly admirable the amount of effort they put into finding her. Over 8,000 hours was logged in the search for her. Drones, dogs, helicopters, foot searches, you name it, for Sam, it was done. 
Sam was 28 years old in 2018 when she went missing. She was wearing light gray hiking pants and a black sports bra. She has green eyes and a shaved head with tattoos of stars on her head. She is 5'8", and at the time of her disappearance, she weighed 125 pounds. If you or anyone you know has information, you can call the Snohomish County Sheriff's at 425-388-3808. Be sure to also join our Facebook group if you haven't already. You can find us by searching Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. There we share pictures and information pertaining to the cases we cover as well as share all things true crime. Be sure to also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at crimeaholics.podcast. Crimeaholics, that's all for today's Missing Monday. Until next time, be aware and take care. (music) 